Hello and welcome to the Power in the Key podcast. I'm your host, Neil Winterton, and joining me on the line as it does every week, it's Ben Cad. How are you, Caddy? Yeah, good, Winnow. Happy New Year and good to be back and trying to catch up on all the action. It's sort of hard to keep a finger on the pulse during the holiday festive season, but um, there's certainly been plenty happening and plenty happening here in, in Melbourne and Australia as well with all the, um, as we've been talking about for two and a half years, all the COVID issues and tennis craziness and um, yeah, all sorts of things yeah. going on. So no, it's um, good to be back in the land of the living, I suppose. So what, what did you do, mate, over the last couple of weeks? I think last time we spoke to you, you were, you were heading away to to the family caravan in, in Envelope, mate. How was that? Yeah, it was good, yeah. So we went down there for 11 or 12 days and, yeah, had some good weather and good beach sessions. Um, but, yeah, just towards the end, we were starting to – the COVID cluster was starting to close in on us. Just descend, descend on you like the, the fog of death, was it? That's it. So we thought um, oh, the weather was about to turn and we're coming home the next day anyway. So we packed up the – Packed up the wagon and, and came home, but um, yeah, it's sort of a, been an interesting period of time for everyone. But um, yeah, we're all fully fine and healthy, and, and back trying to get back into some work and and trying to um, pay for the next holiday. Beautiful. Well, yeah, hopefully, hopefully we're allowed to go on holidays sometime soon. We, we've seen some restrictions come back in, so hopefully that uh, they don't get any uh, more harsh, and we can still sort of live our life the best we can. And we've both been lucky so far. Fingers crossed, Caddy, to escape the uh the covid there's been a few i think uh beads who's been on the uh the podcast as a special guest uh, unfortunately uh contracted uh covid i think he's fine as far as i know mate have you heard anything about him no i haven't heard anything directly but um yeah no there's certainly been a bit of a sweeping through our uh, fantasy league and um yeah a few blokes got hit down by it but yeah i think generally general consensus is a couple of days of r and r and they're back up and about so Hopefully that's the, the majority of people going forward. We send our best out to, to Beads and the rest of the boys from our fantasy group and everybody, obviously, who's dealing with that at the moment. I'm sure hopefully everybody uh, recovers and, and gets back into the into some normal life uh, very quickly. So as you mentioned, Katie, there's been a lot going on, not only in the outside world, but particularly in the NBA world since we last, we last spoke a couple of weeks ago. So what we're going to do, Katie, to kick the show off is we're just going going to nominate two of the most surprising or fun things that that uh, caught our eye over the last couple of weeks since we last spoke. So I'll let you uh, kick things off, Katie. One, what was the most surprising or fun thing that you saw over the last couple of weeks? Oh, it probably fits into both of those categories being surprising for the the rarity that uh, this uh, incident or incidents happened and and how fun they were on back to back nights that. Um, Interestingly enough, well, one on New Year's Eve and one on New Year's Day, which I think added to the narrative, was the back-to-back three-point game winners by my man Demar Derozan, who's um, yeah just elevated himself. What a shock you've gone with the with the Chicago Bulls themed caddy. What a shock! Well, it was one of the only things I'd sort of tuned into over the that sort of period of time, and it was hard to hard to ignore when yeah the phone was blowing up and the Twitterverse were going nuts with um, Demar's exploits there and um, I think even more incredibly on both of those games it was the only three pointer he'd actually hit <laughs> in in, yeah. in both in both yeah. games and they were both um, pretty miraculous shots really the first Wh- which one, one which one do you think was more miraculous is that first one legger almost floater from three or the other one was bloody just as hard anyway a pump fake and contested in the corner which one which one did you think had, had a higher degree of difficulty oh, probably the second one in terms of difficulty there's less time on the clock and then the initial pump fake, I thought, oh, well, he probably cooked it here. But um, he still was able to get it off and, and somehow make that shot, which was just incredible. I mean, the one the night before on the one leg, there was a bit of a bit of time to kind of at least set himself and get a, a look at the ring. But I think just the fact that yeah, he went off one leg, it was a, looked a bit awkward. Um, but, yeah, both incredible game winners. And, and I think, you know, shows a lot of the resilience the Chicago team ha- has had. The fact that in both those games, they were they were down and, and Ford found a way to... You know, stay in, stay involved and stay in the contest. And then DeRozan's just you know, obviously been on a on another level all season. But to to do that as on back to back games, on back to back nights in one on each different um, calendar year was was just unbelievable. And and not just you know shots that you know it was already a draw, and if you missed, they were going to go into overtime. Both shots had to go in for the for the team to win. It was just incredible that the fact that they were in that position on back to back nights, and he was able to bail them out. Yeah, and both pretty much walk-offs where the, where the clock ran down to zero. So it was just um, incredible scenes and, and 
and huge wins for the Bulls. It's now, you know, they, they've carried that form on the last couple of nights and they're up to, I think it's nine games now in a row, um, a longest winning streak in about 11 years. So yeah, they're really putting themselves um, right in the conversation for the, you know, in that championship level and, and at the top of the East at the moment. As you said, it was back-to-back nights. I think the, the last player to hit back-to-back buzzer beating three-pointers was Larry Bird, but that, that wasn't on back-to-back nights. So it was just incredible that he was able to do it on back-to-back nights. And as you said, on either side of the, the year, just made it even more special. So you said there the Bulls have won nine in a row. So they're now up to 25-10, and 10, which takes them to first in the Eastern Conference. So they've gone past Brooklyn. So, so what have you seen, Caddy, from the Bulls in this nine-game run? Is it a matter of... I mean, they got off to an excellent start and probably, well, not probably, they, they were definitely sort of exceeding pretty much everybody's expectations that we had for them. But they, they've gone to another level over the last nine games, as you've mentioned there. The Rosens continued to play outstanding basketball and we're going to get into our East All-Starters and no doubt him and, and Zach Levine will both feature heavily in that. So both of those, got, those guys have continued to play really well. Vucevic has probably started to find his footing a little bit more after a, a bit of a slow start. I think he's starting to feel a little bit more, more comfortable um, with, with the players around him. Balls continue to play well. They're doing this without uh, your man Caruso. Is he still out or is he back at the moment? No, he's still out at the moment. So, yeah, I think he expected – he's still in the protocol. Um, he was a late one that went into there because he was initially missing games with an injury, but um, he ended up in protocols and uh, hopefully back um, yeah, relatively soon. Yeah, so, so he's only played the 26 games, so he, he has missed at the, the last, maybe even, he's, I don't even know if he's played in this nine-game streak that they've got going, but we've seen Kobe White as well after he missed uh, a fair chunk of the start of the season, starting to really find his feet and, and being a good scoring punch you know, off the bench at the moment. So where do you see them now, Caddy? I mean, you're a Bulls fan. I'm sure you're very optimistic about how good they, they have been this season. But where do, you saw them, where do you sort of see them sitting in the pecking order when you look at the Eastern Conference? Yeah, I mean, it's a really interesting one. And the, the fact they've been able to do this, and they have been, I think initially they were one of the hardest hit teams with the COVID health and safety protocols, but in the end probably got bailed out a little bit the fact they had so many cases at the one time and they were able to postpone a couple of games there, um, which had they been played would more likely than not have been losses. So they were able to probably get away with the fact that they were so decimated at a point that they were able to sort of postpone a couple of games. And We saw Draymond Green take to Twitter and complain about that, didn't we? I think Denver or Miami or somebody had a game postponed and – uh, Draymond went to Twitter and said, "Well, you know, why did we have to play last night when we were decimated?" I think I reckon we saw some teams putting up some some questionable injuries to make sure they didn't have the appropriate amount of players to to play undermanned. I I reckon that was sort of what I could see was going on. But as you said, the Bulls were probably a bit lucky that everyone was hit and allow them to postpone some games. But that obviously means. You know, in this run home, that they're probably going to have to play three and four nights at some stage. So it it might catch up with them, despite the fact that they got away with it so far. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I think in in the end, it allowed them probably just in the short term to kind of you know stem the bleeding a little bit, and they're able to get um, particularly DeRozan back, um, you know, straight into the team. And then, but then they still kind of were getting drip fed into the protocols. I mean, Lonzo Ball had been um, the guy that sort of avoided it really out of the the star players and. Um, yeah, finally they got pretty much everyone off back, and he he succumbed, succumbed to it as well, and and missed you know the next however many games. So they've sort of been up and down with that. Plus you know some injuries as you mentioned to Caruso, who's now in the protocol. So they really haven't had their you know their their full complement of players. And and to be fair, there's probably not a lot of teams in the league in the most recent period of time that have had you know their full complement either. But I think the the real credit or the surprise here is that the fact they have been so. Um, resilient, really, and, and being able to find ways to win when things haven't necessarily been going their way, and they've been doing it pretty much in a in a sort of a smaller ball type environment. With Vukovic, really, the only big fella that's having any impact, um, you know, whether it's coming off the uh, there's no other bigs really impacting off the bench at the moment. So they're playing a, a lot more smaller, DeRozan more at the four, and and they're just being able to um, yeah stretch teams out. And the fact, as you mentioned, as Vukovic has, has sort of finally found some offensive touches, he's been able to integrating himself into this into this lineup as well. And I think the real surprise that's come out of this and with extra game time and an opportunity that has been the form of, of Kobe White, as you mentioned. So he's legitimately put his hand up um as, as, you know, as a real terrific role player. He was in the starting lineup there for a fair bit of time with Lonzo Ball 
and Levine out at different stages, but now he's moved back to the bench and, and has continued to to keep things rolling as well. So there's been a lot of talk around, you know, whether the Bulls would be a, pl- a player at the trade uh, deadline, maybe trying to add a bit uh, another big man potentially in, into that team as well. But I think, you know, Kobe White was, was maybe a guy that was being thrown around as, as some of that trade baits. But I think the way he's playing is sort of silenced a lot of that talk at the moment. And then, you know, now you're hearing some optimistic stories even around Patrick Williams and a return potentially before the end of the season as well. So, you know, all things being equal, you know, it'd be hard to see them not being, you know, a top four seed now in the East. It is pretty jammed up, you know, one through six. There's not a huge gap all the way down to Cleveland. But I think, you know, the way that they've consistently performed throughout the, you know, the first 36 games of the season for them, I think, yeah, it'd be hard to see them dropping out of that top four. And I think they legitimately have earned their, their right there. And, you know, with the question marks obviously still hanging around, Philadelphia and the Ben Simmons situation and just how good a team they're going to be with or without him. Uh, Miami Heat have sort of, you know, have been as impacted as anyone with injury through the year. The Bucks have, have sort of started to, you know, churn, churn it out the wins over the last sort of 15 to 20 games. The Brooklyn Nets, who, who knows? So, um, yeah, I think they're legitimately a, an Eastern Conference contender. And, you know, I, I do worry, I think, as the season gets longer as, as how they are going to defend, particularly in the playoffs, guys like Giannis. And Kevin Durant, there just doesn't seem to be a natural matchup for either of those guys at the moment. So that's where that either the trade deadline or buyout period is going to be pretty important to add another defensive-minded big. So, so given what you're you're saying there, that you're saying they're a legitimate Eastern Conference contender, and I, and I totally agree with you. Everything from what we've seen so far this season would suggest that they certainly are. And you mentioned the trade deadline. You mentioned that initially it was Kobe White. You, you wouldn't think that they're probably going to move off him given the, the scoring spark he's given them off the bench. So the other chip they've got is Patrick Williams, isn't it? Now he's out injured uh, this season. You said there's some some optimism um, about him potentially returning this year. I, I hadn't heard that. So that's that's an interesting sort of wrinkle to throw into the season. But he, he's the one player on their current roster that's got some currency. Do you think they should look at, at Maybe uh, trading him uh, to get somebody like a J- Jeremy Grant's the one that continually gets mentioned from Detroit. Now, let, now let's not pretend that Jeremy Grant's going to be able to shut down Durant or, or Giannis because they're they're definitely the two that you need to worry about Chicago being able to defend if they do match up in the playoffs. But he's he's going to be a and, better. And sorry, and jo- Joel Embiid's the other one too yeah. from Philly that you know there's probably not a a real great matchup for him either. So they're the three can you know teams that likely to be up against potentially yeah. and, and, and with Miami but yeah th- and there is a glaring sort of deficiency you think when you're looking at those star level big guys okay so 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 do you think given that case now the, the east appears to be pretty open like Brooklyn yeah and we'll talk about Corey in a second or, or later on he, they can't seem to get it together because they're just sort of you know Corey's in he's out Harden's been up and down we, we've seen the Bucks. They're probably the team to beat, but they don't look unbeatable. So it, it, it appears to be open in the East. Do you think, given that case, they should put Williams on the table and look to get a, a Jeremy Grant or even like a Miles Turner, if you're suggesting Embiid is uh, someone they got to worry about? Do, do you think that's something they should look at? Or or is Williams a too valuable a player, uh, you know, as a pick three or four, whatever he was last year? Do you think it would be sort of short-sighted to throw him out and push all your chips in for this season? Yeah, it looks really difficult one, isn't it? Like it's just that fine line of, of whether you think you're, you're you're right on the precipice and you're one move away. And, and look, the Bulls may be that, but they're also got this team locked in pretty much on long term deals. You know, assuming Zach Levine, um, you know, signs an extension as well. So you you're locked into Demar Derozan, Monzo Ball, Vucevic, um, and then hopefully Levine, Kobe White still on a rookie deal. So. You know, can you continue to build within, and Patrick Williams complements that moving forward, and you're building something a bit more sustainable, or or do you look a bit more short-sighted and 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 try and pull a trigger for someone using that currency? You know, we we clearly don't have a, a heap of first-round picks. We gave up quite a lot to Orlando. We lost um, obviously last year's one and, and one in two years. However, we do likely have. Not we, the Bulls likely have the Portland first. Come on, Caddy, I love it when you say we. <laughs> they could, you know, likely convey this season. That could be another chip that they could put on the table. Um, it could be a pick, you know, in that ten to fifteen range, which could be of some value to another team. So there, there are some moves or some levers they can pull. But it, as you mentioned, Patrick Williams is probably the the one player on the on the roster at the moment with the most um, trade currency, and it'd be a be a pretty bold move, I think, and potentially short sighted to to go down that track. I think, you know, as you mentioned, it is 
pretty much wide open as it stands and, and with the uncertainty around Philadelphia and Brooklyn in particular, then you might just get enough lucky breaks as you go through and, and be good enough anyway. So look, I'd probably lean towards you know just trying to add something off the buyout market if you can and, and what that looks like we'll probably have a better idea um, you know, in, in the next few weeks of, of what players could be available in that situation. But generally speaking, you know, there's someone there that, you know, that you can generally get your hands on, maybe not be the, the absolute game changer, but someone that you can at least, at least plug some minutes into in playoff games. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. I think they're one of the more interesting teams at, at this trade deadline to see if they do think that they're right, as you said, on the precipice of, of being a, and a true contender. And if they are, well, maybe this is – you're going to get another season like this out of DeMar DeRozan. Nobody really saw this coming and maybe you need to sort of strike while the iron's hot and and sacrifice a Patrick Williams. He's certainly shown a lot of promise, but he's the great unknown at the moment. There's not a, enough evidence to suggest that he's definitely going to be a, you know, a multi-time all-star. He could just end up being a really good sort of solid role player. We don't know at this stage. So it's going to be really interesting to see what, what the Bulls management do and whether they do, uh, sort of push, uh, you know, hang uh, Patrick Williams out there and see what they can get. But a fantastic start and, and obviously a, a really um, a fantastic effort for them to win nine in a row and the two buzzer beaters by DeMar DeRozan. Not surprising, Caddy, that you picked that as the first thing that, uh, that was uh, surprising and fun for you over the last couple of weeks. Now, the first thing that I, that I want to talk about that I thought was particularly fun over the last couple of weeks, I'm just going to read this stat out to you, Caddy, just to highlight how bizarre and how fun this was. So I'm just going to read this out. LeBron, zero. Kevin Durant, zero. Giannis, zero. Nikola Jokic, zero. Luka Doncic, zero. Joel Embiid, zero. James Harden, zero. Devin Booker, zero. Trey Young, zero. Jason Tatum, zero. Damian Lillard, zero. Lance Stevenson, one. That's that's the amount of times all those players have scored 20 points in a quarter this season. We saw Lance Stevenson play his first home game uh, for the Indiana Pacers after I don't know how long it had been since he played there, but it was actually his 300th game he'd played for Indiana and he scored a career high, uh, what was it in the end? I think it was 32 points it ended up being, but he scored 20 points in that first quarter and he's the only player in the last 25 seasons to score 20 points in the first quarter uh, despite not starting. It was just unbelievable. He was eight for nine from the field, four for five from three, and he only played just over six minutes for the quarter. So we saw him come out. The crowd went nuts when he first got on the court. He hit his first three. He was strumming the guitar, as he likes <laughs> to do, and it was just it was just absolutely incredible to think that um, Lance Stevenson, as I said, had played previously 300 games for the Indiana Pacers, came back on this 10-day uh, contract. We'd seen him earlier play six games for Atlanta, where the most points he'd scored was two. So he went from scoring a, a game high only two points in the six games he scored with Atlanta, and he came out and scored twenty in that first quarter. And as I said, ended up with a with a career high uh, for for the for his career with the Indiana Pacers, which is just unbelievable. So it's just, I think it's been one of the sort of up things about the fact that we've had so many. Uh, guys missing games through COVID was just to see guys like Lance Stevenson get another crack at the NBA. We've seen Mario Chalmers has been re-signed to the Heat. He's yet to take the court unless he took it today. I don't think he did, though. Uh, We saw Greg Monroe play three games for Minnesota. Had a really effective first game for him as well. He had 11 points and nine rebounds in the first game he played for Minnesota. He'd been out of the league for a number of years. Bismarck Wiyamba, who did play last season, but we hadn't seen him as yet. He's just been signed for the rest of the season, just once and for all proving, Caddy, that Chris Paul can make any big man look uh, like an NBA big. And then, of course, we had Joe Johnson, who played the one game for Boston Celtics as a 40-year-old who we'd seen out of the the, the league for, for a couple of seasons. So I think, um, yeah, I love seeing Lance Stevenson come out and just catch absolute fire. But I, I think, Caddy, it's also been really good to see some of these players that we haven't seen for a number of seasons get another crack at it. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to mention that, yeah, just that whole 10-day contract phenomenon and, and giving guys opportunities that, you know, certainly wouldn't have been there had the season been been a normal one. Another one um, was Isaiah Thomas, who, who came and played those games with the Lakers and, you know, he certainly deserved that opportunity and then got called up to play for Dallas and then unfortunately got um, himself put into the, yeah, the health and safety protocols of that. And that's been, you know, part of part of the luck, I suppose, around this. You know, there was a big G League um, sort of showcase in Vegas, you know, right around where a lot of these 
teams were needing players and it was just going to be basically a 50-50 chance whether the player called up was actually going to then test positive or negative to COVID and, and get that opportunity. So, you know, another one with Tyler Johnson, I think, signed with the Spurs today. He used yep. to be on a big contract with Brooklyn and Daniel House, former Houston player with Utah, Langston Galloway did some uh, time with uh, Brooklyn a week or so ago and now finds himself playing today for Milwaukee. So, yeah, just yeah. In, incredible, that, you know, just these opportunities that are coming. And, and as you mentioned, there's a few that have already been committed to uh, longer term, and one of them it was a guy I've just picked up tonight in the in our fantasy league, the former South East Melbourne uh, Phoenix player, um, Kiefer Sykes, who Sykesy. played for the, the Indiana Pacers as well and, and put up um, a really big game uh, the last game, and they've now signed him for the rest of the season. So, yeah, there's some opportunities that have, that have come up, and, and some of these players have, have certainly uh, taken it as well. So, no, it's a, opportunities are, are abounding, and, um, you know, it's just luck of the draw whether you know, it works out for some of these guys or not. But, um, yeah, clearly you'd be keeping your, your phone on and, and in your pocket and ready to, to answer the call if um, if one of the teams came knocking. Oh, for sure. You, you'd want to be in good condition. We saw uh, Milwaukee actually cut DeMarcus Cousins after he'd been pretty good from this season. So I'd, I'd be shocked if he doesn't end up um, on another team's roster or whether Milwaukee have some sort of secret agreement with him that they're going to re-roster him at some stage. So let's uh, let's see what ends up happening with DeMarcus because he'd actually been pretty good for Milwaukee and sort of surprise everybody when they did let him go. Uh, what's the second most thing, uh, surprising thing, Caddy, that you saw over the last couple of weeks? Yeah, well, for me, it was, it's one that we've spoken about yeah, a fair bit this year and in the last couple of years is around Kyrie Irving and and certainly going into this season not being vaccinated and, and essentially being stood down for the team, you know, with the ability to only play away games. And I think we mentioned in the podcast just prior to Christmas, there was the Jungle Jums beating around the fact he was going to be coming back and you know, more out of, you know, we thought probably desperation at that point from Brooklyn with the fact that their own numbers were dwindling on the team. But uh, he came back into camp and then he ended up with COVID himself and had to sit through the protocols. But we did see his... Uh, Brooklyn debut the other night in, in in a game which should have been all around him, but that was the one that you've just spoken about. Lance Stevenson came and, and pretty much crushed the party on that particular night. But um, but Kyrie did play with a you know an away game obviously for them against Indiana and and they got the win um, in in that one. But yeah, thirty two minutes was a, a pretty good start for him to to come out and, and yeah, play didn't, that. Didn't ease him in, did they? Certainly not, and you know I think he's certainly from the stats point of view and the box score, you know, had a, a solid contribution: twenty-two points, the four assists, fifty-two percent shooting from the field. Um, so yeah, I think they'd have to be pretty happy with that, um, you know, to, to come in and and give that sort of production. But you know, the as you, you you've sort of spoken about many times is how sustainable this is going to be longer term as as we head towards the playoffs, and if he's just uh, running up for away games, is just how sustainable how sustainable it is and, and, and what it does to their mix and their, their chemistry in the team. And, you know, just watching them today, um, obviously without uh, Corey Irving, they were playing a home game against Milwaukee and um, they just never looked in sync at all in this particular game. They were all over the shop. They went down big. I think it was, yeah, in the mid-20s at some stage and, and they sort of got themselves They've done that a lot apart. this season, haven't they? Yeah, they have. And they sort of half got back into it late, but it was, yeah, they, they were never really competitive. And the guy that looks to have probably just gone off his off off the boil a little bit at the moment. He's our own Paddy Mills. So he'd been obviously playing such an important role for, for Brooklyn all season, you know, all the way through, you know, you know, primarily in the in a starting role. So he's been sort of the one that's shifted he was the one that shifted to the bench for uh, Kyrie Irving the other day, back in the starting lineup again today. But yeah, he's just gone off his tucker a little bit um, in the last five games, just one game in double figures. So he, he sort of today just won from eight from the field. He had a zero from six the other night, the three-point uh, ball just not falling like it was. So hopefully the disruption's not you know, getting too much into into Paddy's head at the moment. And I suppose that, un, you know, it's just that, Continued uncertainty that's going to work through this team on a, on a, any given day with Kyrie in, Kyrie out, um, and and the focus is going to be there. But um, oh, look, I think in general having Kyrie back is certainly going to you know provide some ongoing interest and make them a better team than nights he plays. But I think yeah, there, there could be some ongoing uh, issues as, as as you've highlighted as, as the longer the season goes around it. Yeah, well, well Mills is one that will. Will, will be affected because he didn't start, as you said, the other night. Now he started. And until Joe Harris gets back, uh, I'm not sure how, how much longer Harris is due to be out. But, yeah, it's not going to be easy 
for someone like Paddy Mills to be in and out of that lineup so often. But yeah, I, as you said, and I've mentioned it quite a few times, I'm I'm just so intrigued about how, how this all plays out because imagine they've got a game seven at home in the in the finals and, and Irving's just not even eligible to play because of this of his vaccination status. So it's the the bizarre thing too about that. I we've probably mentioned it at some stage, but it's still sort of I can't wrap my head around is the fact that visiting. Uh, players who are unvaccinated are allowed to play at uh, against Brooklyn, but he's not allowed to because he's from that. That to me just makes absolutely no sense. And and we and we've heard a number of the the NBA commentators, I guess, say that Irving, because of the the protocols that he's now subjected to, that the, the daily testing, like it's every single day, so he he pretty much doesn't cause any sort of. Uh, danger, I suppose, to any of the players he's playing against or with because he's tested so vigorously. So I think, obviously, Brooklyn are hoping, one, that Irving does a backflip. Now, I wouldn't be holding my breath on that because he's he's been pretty steadfast so far. And there are, the other one is they're maybe hoping that either the laws in, in New York change or maybe the NBA. I don't know. They're just they're hoping for some sort of reversal of form here and because I just, it's just not sustainable for me to have your second or third best player, wherever you want to place him in in the totem pole, uh, not available for your home playoff games. It's crazy. So it's re- it'll be really interesting to see how the rest of the season pans out with Irving and and what uh, what Brooklyn do to sort of combat this uncertainty. But yeah, they've sort they've caved in that they've let him come back and gee, incredibly, as you said, thirty two minutes. He put up some good numbers. You know, we saw the highlight plays. He's just he's just such a natural player that it probably wasn't that surprising that he did come out and was was on target straight away. But, yeah, as I said, I'm very intrigued to see how the rest of the season pans out for Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets. Now, the second thing, Caddy, that I thought was maybe not surprising but very fun was the the rise of the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, they've won seven in a row now and they've catapulted themselves up to 26-14, and which is good for fourth in the Western Conference. And they've put a a pretty big gap between themselves and fifth place. So they've got a, a nice little buffer there. And they're the only team in the whole league caddy to beat Phoenix, Golden State and Utah this season. So they're the three big dogs in the Western Conference and the Grizzlies have managed to knock them off throughout the season. So we saw Jar Morant was out of the lineup for, I think it was 12 games and they went 10 and two in that time he was out of the lineup. And it was interesting because we saw at the time that Morant went out of the lineup, they were ranked 30th in the league for defense, so dead last. And then in the 12 games that Morant was out, they were actually ranked first in defense. So we started to hear some whispers, and, and the whispers grew a little bit louder when they lost uh, their first game back to Portland. This is Morant's first game back to Portland, and we know Portland aren't going that well. So the whispers started to really, uh, as I said, get a bit louder, and you know, stupidly so. Are uh, Memphis better off without Ja Morant? Well, of course they're not, because he's just really catapulted himself into the upper echelon of of all NBA players over the last couple of weeks, his last two weeks, he's averaging 30 points a game, seven rebounds, six assists, shooting 53% from the field. And we've just seen him, just his ability to, to hang in the air and finish weird angles on the way down. He's, there was a one player that was a bit controversial where, you know, we were debating whether he actually hit the ground before he before he finished. But it's just he, he's, he's now turned himself into, along with Steph Curry, I reckon, probably the most watchable player in the NBA. So I don't think anybody saw Memphis Grizzlies being a, a top four seed at the start of this season. But, you know, it, it hasn't been just uh, Jar Morant. He's certainly taken a huge step up that that we didn't see coming. But Desmond Bain, he's, his uh, sophomore campaign has been incredible. Nine, 9.2 points a game he averaged last year. He's up to 17.4 this year, shooting 41% from the three-point line on seven attempts a game. So that's to be able to get that, uh, level of uh, improvement out of a second-year player like Bain just really shores up their, their backcourt with Morant and Bain. Jaron Jackson, who you know I questioned earlier on in the season, is he a bit overrated? Well, I guess because of Morant's ascension and and the step up Bain has has taken, well, the, the pressure hasn't been on Jackson as much to live up to what everybody thought he could be. Now he's he's still been pretty reasonable, and I think during that time Morant was out of the lineup, he stepped right up. He's fallen off a little bit. Um, over the last probably five or six games, but still really good defensively. He can he can switch out on the smalls and he's and he's a good rim protector. Dylan Brooks, 
who had missed the previous six games with health and safety protocols. He came back and had 18 points. So he's one of those guys who I highlighted last year that needed to have a big playoff run for them, and he did that. So we know he can stand up in the big moments. And, you know, Stephen Adams is continuing to continuing to bludgeon people on the offensive glass. Uh, De'Anthony Mountain, Kyle Anderson, Tyus Jones was one that really stood up and, and uh, put up some really big numbers in those 12 games that Morant were out. So they've got a really deep roster around Morant and, and Bain and Jackson. So it's it, it's just been really – it's been a pleasure to watch, actually, uh, this team sort of jump up and surprise everyone. And and and, and, and what, what do you think about them, Caddy? As I said, they're, they're fourth um, in the moment in the Western Conference. They're, 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 for me, they're clearly below the top three uh, in Utah, Golden State, and Phoenix. But have you got Memphis Grizzlies at the top of that next uh, group of teams in the Western Conference? Yeah, well, I think they I, I can't see them falling out of that that spot. Probably a bit similar to Chicago in the East. I think they've almost shored that up in terms of just their their record uh, of late, the seven game win streak as you mentioned. You know, they they do have a couple of teams you know that are that are playing reasonably well behind them. Dallas have found themselves at a five game win streak. The Lakers are have sort of slowly and quietly got a, a four-game win streak in behind them. So there is some movement. Led by Malik Monk. Uh, <laughs> well, it's, it's been the Malik Monk show for sure. And, and you know, credit to him. He'd be one of the... Some, other bloke, some other bloke called LeBron's been all right too. He's been terrific. But Monk, in terms of a, a minimum guy, there wouldn't be too many other minimum guys pr- providing that so, sort of value and uh, in the league at the moment. But, yeah, what Memphis has been able to do is, as you said, Certainly surprising. I think we, we always acknowledge the fact they're a good up-and-coming young team built the right way, but maybe, you know, probably another year or so away or another certainly secondary star away from, from you know, elevating to the stratosphere, I suppose, that they found themselves in now as a top four uh, seed in the West. But, you know, I think, you know, you mentioned Desmond Bain. He'd have to be one of the, the contenders for the most improved player. What he's been able to do in this second season has, has really elevate, helped elevate uh, the Grizzlies. And I think, you know, you mentioned Stephen Adams, and he's a guy that I think both of us were probably a little bit um, confused as to to why Memphis did that trade in, in moving on Jonas Valanciunas. And we know how good of a season Valanciunas is having in New Orleans. But but Adams has been able to um, fit that role really, really well and, and sort of provide that real physical presence for these guys to work in and around him. So he, he's been someone that's been able to come in and, and certainly contribute and, and, and play at a, at a level that we're accustomed to for the majority of his career. I felt that he was, you know, potentially, you know, going to go backwards, I suppose, at, at his age, but he's been able to still come in and, and be really effective um, for the Grizzlies. So they're really consistent. They're eighth in offense, eighth in defense, and, and eighth in net rating. So they're, they're probably right where they should be as you look across the records of the East and the West. And, and that's a really um, stark improvement, I think, or increase on, on where we thought they may have been. And, and you mentioned John Moran. He's just, you know, really elevated again into that superstardom. And, and, you know, he's a guy that will get to all-star picks at some stage. And, and the West, and he, he's going to be a guy that's going to be very, very hard to, to overlook for one of those spots um, in the West. But, um, yeah, just those comparisons continue to go around with Derek Rose and what he was doing 10 or so years ago just with that agility and, and the way he, can, he, he bounces around the court, it's just a pleasure to watch. Yeah, he certainly is a pleasure to watch. So hopefully hopefully he can stay nice and healthy because, yeah, there's been the concerns. You mentioned the Derek Rose comparisons, and we've spoken about it quite a few times. Um, we've seen the injuries that Derek Rose succumbed to at the start of his career. So hopefully uh, we, we're going to keep everything, our toes and our fingers crossed, Caddy, and hopefully Jar Morant can finish the season and the rest of his career nice and healthy because he certainly is very fun to watch. Uh, so we saw, Caddy, during the week that the, the first returns for the All-Stars were announced. So we're going to get into our East All-Stars uh, tonight. I'll just run through what the early returns were. So we saw in the front court. Uh, the, the three leading vote getters. Kevin Durant uh, was actually the second leading vote getter in the whole NBA. So he, he finished on top in the front court with Giannis and Joel Embiid rounding out that front court. Uh, and the two leading guards were DeMar DeRozan and James Harden. So we saw Tatum come in fourth in the front court and Jimmy Butler fifth. And then in the guards, Trey Young was third, Zach Levine was fourth, and LaMelo Ball was fifth. So We'll run through our starters and our bench for the East Caddy. So I think we'll probably agree that there's three locks, I think, to start in the East. Jump in, Caddy, if you disagree with what I'm about to say. I think you'd say Kevin Durant, uh, the leading scorer in the NBA, 30 points a game, seven rebounds, almost six assists, is a lock. Giannis, obviously, 
uh, nearly 28 points a game, 11.5 rebounds, nearly six assists. And DeMar DeRozan, for me, is also a lock. Now, he, he's he's an interesting one because I think he was, a, he was available to be voted in both guards in the front court, but I've got him in as a lock for the guard caddy. You'd agree, DeMar, clearly a lock? Yeah, yeah it, was, it was an interesting one. He actually was just available as a guard. And, and I think really? that's okay. created already a little bit of, um, I suppose, not unrest, but I, I think it was almost convenient, I yep. think, because if, if you're looking at that third, um, forward spot or front court spot for the East, it, it's probably going to have to be Joel Embiid. And you go Durant, uh, Giannis, Embiid as the, the three front court players. It's going to be very hard. They're the top three in voting at, at this stage. And it, it, you'd have to mount a pretty strong case for someone to come outside those three to overtake them in the front court. So then you've got DeRozan as that back court player. Um, and as you mentioned, is leading the voting, which was, I think, a, a surprise in itself. You know, we, we've spoken about how valuable he's been. I think. You know, if there was just a, a media or a coach's um, a vote taking place, he'd certainly get one of those spots. But to be also recognised as part of a fan vote here as well um, with such strong numbers, I think was really encouraging to see that that's being rewarded um, with the leading um, guard or backcourt player in the East at the moment because we often see some some interesting results there. So for him to be leading, that's fantastic. And as you mentioned, Harden's second there now. I think, you know, there's a... A lot of the expectation and talk, I'd imagine, around the league is that the Bulls might have that backcourt sewn up with Zach Levine potentially being that second starter. But as we know, um, it, it comes down, or a, a, a fair percentage of this comes down to the fan voting. And Levine at fourth, um, not a huge gap behind Trey Young and James Harden, but he would have to do some work in the next ballot to to work his way up. And I have seen you know, quite a lot of the Bulls fan Twitter pages sort of really working overtime in terms of trying to get retweets and all sorts of things to elevate him into that spot. So my pick would be Levine uh, to pair with DeRozan in the backcourt with those big three dogs. As I mentioned in the front court, that'd be my starting five. Yeah, and, and that that that's fair enough. I, I also went with Embiid. Uh, just on DeRozan, he's, he's in his 13th season. And at the moment, he's probably in line for being eligible as a guard, he's probably in line for first-team All-NBA, you'd say, wouldn't you? That he'd probably be the pick at the moment. I can't imagine that there'd be another player, I haven't done the study on this, but I can't imagine there'd be another player that uh, made first-team All-NBA for the first time in their career in their 13th season. It's just it's just absolutely remarkable what is happening with DeRozan this year. He's only a, full to- a four-time All-Star. He's a two-time All-NBA player. He was second-team All-NBA in 2017-18, which was the last time he made an All-NBA team. And he's a lock to make an All-NBA team. It's just a matter of which one he makes. And if he makes the first team, that would, as I said, I can't imagine there's been another player that has, hasn't made a first-team first, first team All-NBA until their 13th season. So, yeah, just an incredible season. I actually went with, with Trey Young, and it was between, for me, Levine and Young for that last guard spot. But despite the fact that... Atlanta have certainly been very disappointing. They're seven, 17 and 21 after they lost to the Lakers today, but that's through no fault at all of Trey Young. He's averaging 28.4 points a game, almost four rebounds, nine and a half assists, shooting 46, 38, 90 splits, which are all career highs. He's got a 26.2 PER. Certainly one of the best offensive players in the game. Absolutely no doubt about that. Now, he's also potentially one of the worst defensive players in the NBA, which is one of the reasons that... Um, they are struggling so mightily, but his on-off splits are incredible. So I just went with Trey Young, only slightly ahead of Zach Levine uh, for my starting backcourt. But I, I totally see your point of view and can and understand, you know, the, the argument you could make for for Zach Levine to be a uh, a starter as a backcourt. So given that, I'm assuming you've got Trey Young on your bench. Oh, absolutely! And yeah. look, he's a guy I, I, I rate extremely highly. I think I picked him as a starter last year at, at this time and. Um, yeah, I, he just didn't quite get the numbers around, you know, the, the fan voting. But it, he's certainly starting to attract more of those type of votes now, as we've seen in, in currently ranked third, and and you know, only a little bit behind James Harden as the current um, starter in that backcourt. So yeah, I think yeah, he, he's an absolute lock to make make the team. But where where I find you know that those next few selections are, are really really difficult, in it. and the and the reason for that is because a lot of it comes down to your Miami Heat and 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 how we we're going to separate these guys as to you know whether or not we can we can fit, fit them into all stars because there's all star caliber players there but um, two of the two of them in particular have missed a fair portion of the season and then another one sort of come from the cloud so I'll sort of throw it to you there with the with the Miami Heat there's there's three candidates I, I'd I'd assume Jimmy Butler Bam Adebayo and Tyler Hero 
where, where do you have them ranked and how many of those do you think can uh, inevitably make the team? Oh, for me, it, it's just Butler. Hero uh, is he's had a good season, but but certainly for me, not an all star caliber season. And Bam's Bam's just missed too much ball. Not not that Butler's played a lot. He's only played twenty three games, but he's he's been outstanding. So he, he makes it for me as one of my front court reserves. So he's twenty three points a game, six rebounds, five and a half assists, fifty percent from the field, a career high, eighty seven percent from the line, a career high, two steals a game. They're twenty-four and fifteen, uh, Miami are. So as he's only played to twenty-three games, but you know th- th- they've had a they've had a whole host of injuries. You mentioned Bam's been out, Lowry's missed games, Hero's missed games, PJ Tucker, Max Struess, Morris. We, we saw that the injury um, he he had against Nikola Jokic. He hasn't played since Jokic ran into the back of him, which was something like twenty-eight games or something crazy ago. So yeah, Miami have just been absolutely smashed with COVID and injuries, and and Butler himself. Has, has only played the 23 games, and usually I would hold that against a player. But I think this year is really unusual, and we, we've seen so many guys in and out of lineups that it probably doesn't hold quite as much weight for me as it usually would. So so Embiid's played the 27 games and Butler's played 23. So if, if we're going to say Embiid's fine to start, and, and he certainly is because he's, he's had an outstanding season, I don't think we can dock Jimmy Butler too much for, for only playing the 23 games. But he's out with a... Ankle injury at the moment, which hopefully for Miami's sake, he can be back on the court pretty quickly. It did look pretty nasty. He had to be helped off the court, which doesn't happen all that often with Jimmy Butler because he's pretty tough. But, um, yeah, hopefully he can get back out on the court. But for me, he, he's he's certainly in. Uh, so that was – I had him as a front court. So we've got three back courts, two front courts on the bench and two wild cards. The other back court – the other – sorry, the other front court player for me that I had uh, down was – was Jared Allen. So so Cleveland, for me, have been, and for everyone, obviously, have been sort of that feel-good story of the season. They're 22 and 17. Uh, Jared Allen's ha- having a great season, 17 points a game, nearly 11 rebounds, one and a half blocks. He's shooting 70% from the field. Not that he shoots it, but he's that's that's the mark he's getting. 24 and a half PER. You know, we've seen him throw down some really crazy dunks. He's got a, he's got a fantastic chemistry with uh, Darius Garland in that pick and roll. Now, Garland was the interesting one for me. I didn't end up putting him in. I don't know if you have, but for me, they they definitely deserved at least one all-star Cleveland, and I just lean slightly uh, to Jared Allen because I, I think he's had just a little bit more of an impact uh, than Darius Garland has for the Cavs. Yeah, he's been enormous for the Cavs, um, yeah, and they've been an incredible story as well for mine. I, I think the fact that they've been able to hang really, really tough all season um, – you know, and they've just been belted around with with significant injuries and problems, and and the, the fact that they've just continued to to sort of execute, and, and a lot of that is, I think, down to Jared Allen's form. But you, you go back to the Colin Sexton injury, and we expect him, you know, to miss the the best part of the season. You know, Ricky Rubio just did his knee again, so he's out for the season. So they've just been hit um, from pillar to post, but they've still been able to maintain a, a record, a, a winning record there, and, and holding a a pretty strong spot there in the sixth seed in the East. So, yeah, certainly for me, Jared Allen would, would definitely be an all-star this year, and I think he, he certainly deserved it. They've invested really heavily in him, you know, and he was almost um, steak knives in that trade from Brooklyn initially um, with the James Harden trade. So they were able to get their hands on him. and They did well, didn't they, getting involved in that? That was a huge get for them. Yeah, and it was, he was clearly identified, and they paid him accordingly, and he's repaid that, um, you know, really, really well this season. So... Look, the next one for me, I think, in the backcourt is, um, you know, and again, has missed has missed some games like most people, but he, his um, excitement and and fun of, of what he'll bring to his first All-Star game for me is LaMelo Ball. I think his season's been outstanding. He's, he's really helped keep Charlotte afloat. And again, they're another team that sort of had this up-and-down season, depending on availability. But at 19.3 points, 7.3 rebounds, 7.8 assists, um, I think his numbers certainly stack up. To be um, a lot of a spot here, and, and really early in his, you know, in his, his career, just his second season, but um, he's he's made for the, this sort of environment, and I think you know his numbers stack up. The fact that Charlotte have got a, a, a plus five hundred record as well, you know, gives him an opportunity to to be in this game, and and certainly put some bums on seats and some eyeballs on the TV for this uh, upcoming All Star game. Yeah, I, I also had Ball. He was he was an interesting one. You said there that they're twenty and nineteen, good for eighth in the East. 42% from the field isn't great. He still does struggle to finish around the rim because he's not a great athlete, but he is shooting 38% from three, 87% from the line. And, and as you mentioned, he's 
there's not going to be two more fun players in in, in an all star game than Lamelo Ball. You can imagine some of the the look away passes he's going to be throwing. So I agree to 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 be a an all star in your second se- season is a really big feather in the cap. You know, Terry Rozier missed the start of the season, and, and Lamelo had a had a really really good start to the season, and along with obviously Bridges as well. But I think a lot of the credit for the season that uh, the Hornets have had so far can be placed on Lamelo Ball's shoulder. So I agree. I also had him in the backcourt. So that last backcourt spot before we got to the wild cards I went with was Drew Holiday. Now, his numbers, as is usually the case with Drew Holiday, don't absolutely leap off the page. He's at 18.5 points a game, 4.6 rebounds, 6.5 assists, 1.6 steals, 50% from the field, 38% from three. So as I said, I don't think the numbers quite quantify the play that Drew Holiday does, and and we I guess it was highlighted by what we saw him do for Team USA when they were sort of battling quite a bit before he got over there, and he got over there late because he played in the NBA Finals, and as soon as he joined the team, he was almost behind Durant, probably their second, if not second, certainly their third most important player because of his defense and just his calmness and his ability to run the show. So, And I think that's really been... Uh, the case again this year for the Bucks, you know, they had that little bit of a slow start. You know, he's out again at the moment, unfortunately, uh, due to COVID. So hopefully he's back on the court pretty soon. But um, they're twenty three and ten with him in the lineup, and only three and five uh, with him out of the lineup. So I think that illustrates just how important he's been. We've seen Chris Middleton not having a great season. He's shooting uh, career low in field goal percentage, and his points are way down. So. He's not playing at the level we're accustomed to see. Giannis certainly is, but I think Drew Holiday's been that that one behind Giannis, the the, the reason that uh, Milwaukee have got to the record that they have. And incredibly, he he was a he was a first time All Star nine seasons ago when he was at Philadelphia. So it's been it'll be nine seasons in between All Star appearances if he makes it. But I I gave that uh, that last backcourt spot before the wildcards to Drew Holiday. What do you think about Drew Holiday's candidacy to be an All Star? Yeah, look, I think that. Certainly deserving of two all stars, and I don't think Middleton probably this season had had the season that you'd probably elevate him into that status. And Holiday has been outstanding, as you mentioned. He's you know come off the championship into the Olympics and then hasn't missed a beat for the Bucks this year. I, I think, as you mentioned, whether or not the actual statistical box score stuff you know is something that gets in his way, you know, is certainly a, a potential outcome there. But um, yeah, I think the record holds up, and and you know, there's, there's no greater you know, player respected, I don't think, in the league um, than Drew Holiday. He seems to be, you know, really well loved and, and well thought of. And, um, yeah, he'd be a worthy all-star for me. I end up um, selecting James Harden. I just think he, he's a guy that's going to get picked. Um, he, he seemingly would get picked even if, you know, he wouldn't have to do, you know, a hell of a lot to really earn his spot. But, he, you know, his season still, albeit, you know, certainly not at his absolute best, has still been, a, I think, an all-star level. Um, you know, him and Hard, yeah, him and Durant really have had to, do the bulk of the heavy lifting, lifting there in Brooklyn. Both have had um, COVID issues as well, um, and for them to be able to have you know got through this season, obviously without having Kyrie Irving there to, to help them out, I think you know they've you know done a, a reasonable job to position them where they have. It's really only been the last couple of weeks where they haven't been able to um, you know hold on to that number one spot in the in the East with the Chicago Bulls getting on their run. But at twenty two points, eight rebounds, nine assists, I think the numbers are there. And the record for Brooklyn are there to certainly have the second All Star there, and you know as we mentioned, he currently is sitting second in the backcourt votes. I think he'll either get voted in anyway, or um, he certainly should be a reserve for mine. He very well may get voted in, as you said, given that he's second in the voting. I, I actually I left him out. I, I couldn't bring myself to <laughs> to put him as stupid as it sounds. And and you ran through his numbers there: twenty one points, eight rebounds, almost ten assists. But it's just. Just watching him play, and you look at forty-one percent from from the field, thirty-two percent, almost thirty-three percent from three. He's just—maybe I'm just punishing him because he showed up, you know, severely out of shape. He's certainly disinterested on the defensive end. I, I don't know. I just haven't—I just haven't enjoyed the, the James Harden experience this year. Now his numbers suggest that he should be an all-star, and he probably—and I'd be surprised. Frankly, if he wasn't, but for me, if I if I was picking all stars, I, I actually left him out in the end. I, I was down to 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 him as one of the last spots, and I just went, uh, uh, James Harden, you you didn't take yourself seriously off season. You sort of slip slept walked your your way through the start of the season. Now he started to put up some numbers 
over the last couple of weeks and, and started doing the, the James Hardeny stuff that we're used to. But I, 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 I couldn't bring myself to select him because I just think that he's just he just hasn't given all he could give to the Brooklyn Nets. And he and for the Neil Winterton All-Star caddy, he needs to be punished. Okay. And, and I'm not giving him a jersey. So stick well, that up to James Harden. His lowest scoring year since the 2011-12 season, which is his third season um, playing for Oklahoma City. So, you know, his scoring numbers as, as well as the they're still in the 20s, um, are a, a, about a 10-year low. But as I mentioned, the record, the fact that, you know, the popularity and, and yeah, the all-around numbers, for me, I, I think we tried to leave him off last year as well, didn't we? And yeah, <laughs> I, I think I might have left him off last Mate, I must really hate James Arden. <laughs> I think you've got the, the – you must feel like um, like I do with the Paul George <laughs> yeah. stuff. Yeah, really he's my Paul George. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So yeah, as I said, I, I, he's going to make it. I'd be surprised if he doesn't. But I just, I just couldn't cop him given what t- what he's rolled out with uh, this season. So uh, my first wild card spot. So the the backcourts I had on the bench were Levine, Lamelo Ball, and Drew Holiday, and the front courts I had on the bench were Jimmy Butler and Jared Allen. Did you did you have Jimmy Butler or, or were you? Yeah. So, so I, on my bench, I've got um, in the backcourt Trey Young, Lamelo Ball. And James Harden, and then I've got Jimmy Butler and Jared Allen as my two bigs uh, rounding out the the yep. ten man unit. Okay, yes, yeah. So the only difference is Holiday and Harden for us. So my first wild card uh, goes to Freddie Van Vliet. He, he's he's had a terrific season. He had an he had a thirty seven point triple double today against Utah, including twenty four points in the third quarter where he didn't miss from the from the field. I think he was eight from eight from the field. So he's up to. Almost probably almost twenty two points a game now after today. Four rebounds, seven assists, career high forty four percent from the field, career high forty one or just off forty one percent from from three, eighty eight percent from the from uh, the free throw line. One point six steals. He's a really good defender for his size. He's he's stout. He's he's the anti James Harden. He actually tries on the defensive end. So, and his turnovers, particularly over the previous four games leading into today's game, he'd only had two turnovers as opposed to 26 assists in the previous four games. So we've seen uh, Toronto start to really find their feet now that they've got uh, a lot of their players back. Siakam's come back. OG Ananobi's um, got back. Scotty Barnes has continued to play some some really good basketball. So uh, front and centre of that, they're up to now 19 and 17 is their record. Um, so, yeah, Fr- Fred Van Vliet, I think, for me, deserves to be an all-star because he's been the one constant in the Toronto Raptors season. Yeah, I've got him in there too. I think you know he's he's come hard pretty late here, right into the mix. And as you mentioned today, just really topped it off with an incredible performance. His career high in, in points as well, career high in assists. So he's done everything that could be asked of him, and he's really, I think, led this uh, Toronto team really back to some relevance because they were the ones that were really severely lacking at the start of the season, and we weren't quite sure which direction they were going to head. And they've, you know, they found obviously found a player in Scotty Barnes and. And the like, but um, Freddie Van Vliet has been the guy I think for mine that has really been the driving force behind them for a number of years, really. And, and we saw signs of it in their championship run, where you know he was just such a great um, contributor behind Kyle Lowry, and really I, I think learned so much from him and, and the way he goes. I think about we saw uh, Hubie Brown voted Fred Van Vliet as his as his Finals MVP that year. That's uh, the, the famous <laughs> vote for Freddie Van Vliet for Freddie Van Vliet for Finals MVP from Hubie Brown. Yeah, so I mean, he's um, he'd be thoroughly deserving if he can get there, and you know, he he polled some votes. I think if we go back to the to the voting, where was he? I think he was tenth in the in the backcourt. So he'd have some work to do to to jump above a few of the others. But uh, there's guys like Corey Irving and Derek Rose <laughs> have more votes than him at this stage, which we clearly don't think either of them will be there. So no, he's got a legitimate case this season and would be a deserving All Star um, representative. So that means we've got one wild card to go. I'll yeah. give you, I'll give it to you, Caddy. Who was your last wild card selection? Uh, look, I've gone with uh, Jason Tatum uh, from the Boston Celtics. So I think you know they, they've had you know a really up and down season, like look like a lot of the the teams have. But Boston in particular, you just don't know where they're at and and where they're going. Um, you know they're sort of running this sort of two man lineup with J- um, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And, and you're just wondering, you know, at what point is it all going to come together and click for these guys? It certainly doesn't look like it's going to be this season. They're, they're laboring a little bit, 18 and 21. Um, that's out of the plane at the moment. That's the 11th seed. So they've got some work to do just to sort of get there. But I think Jason Tatum, when you're looking purely numbers um, as well, the 25.7 points, 8.5 rebounds, 
Um, the shooting numbers have been really disappointing, both down on on these career numbers, just shooting 42% from the field and 33% from three. So that they're, they're really, really poor returns um, in terms of his, his shooting numbers. But I think, you know, in terms of the box score numbers, the fact that, you know, without him, they'd be an, an absolute basket case. Uh, I think there's enough there for him to get, get the nod in terms of an, an all-star spot, probably ahead of a guy like Bradley Beal. For me, I think um, what Tatum's, yeah, been out of Duke, this season would be enough to sort of get him get him through into the twelve man lineup. So my last wild card spot came down to James Harden, Jason Tatum, or Bradley Beal. Now these are three guys that if we'd spoken at the start of the season, we would assume would all be locks for the All Star team. But it's fair to say all three of them have had underwhelming seasons for them. Um, so that's why they were they came down to and it was as I said it was really hard to select out of the out of these three. I've already put forward my case as to why I didn't go with James Harden. Jason Tatum I actually left off as well. So you ran through his numbers, almost twenty six points a game, eight point five rebounds. But similar to James Harden, just his shooting, he's down at you know just under forty two percent from the field, thirty three percent from three. PR's down at nineteen point seven. Now it's not horrendous. But again, I'm probably penalising him similar to James Harden in that he just hasn't had the season that we would have hoped from Jason Tatum. He's played the 35 games. I think he was out with COVID just recently too. Hopefully he's sort of not affected like he was last year. But I also looked at his teammate, Jalen Brown. He's only played the 25 games and he's at 24 points a game, six rebounds. He's shooting 45% from the field and 36% from three. And, and probably... I don't know, he'd probably a slightly superior defender to Tatum. So if, if they'd have played the same amount of games, maybe I might have gone in Brown's favour. But just given how disappointing the Boston Celtics have been, highlighted by the loss they had yesterday uh, to the New York Knicks where Evan Fournier just turns into Michael Jordan every time he plays against <laughs> Boston. He's, I think I read a stat, Caddy, yesterday that he scored 20% of his total season points this year against uh Boston, which is just unbelievable. He's only played him. He played three games against Boston, and he's got twenty percent of his points against and him. Plays him, plays him again tomorrow, so he'd be uh, oh, get he'd on be him. up for that <laughs> to fire up again. Yeah, no. Well, it's it's just been incredibly disappointing. Uh, the Boston Celtics down at eight, eighteen and twenty-one, eleventh, eleventh in the East. I, I just penalised them for the fact that they've been so disappointing as a team, and. I ended up going for Bradley Beal. Not as I said, Beal's had a, a disappointing season as well, but he started to get it going over the last month. He's up at twenty-seven points a game, five rebounds, seven and a half assists, uh, shooting forty-nine percent from the field. So, look, if, when you look at the numbers for the season, at twenty-four points a game, uh, five rebounds, six and a half assists, forty-five percent from the field, twenty-eight percent from from three. It's not great, but I think. I think he's really started to find his feet over the last month, and I think he's going to continue to play well going forward. And I'm sort of projecting forward that he's the one on the upwards trajectory out of those three normal sort of locks out of Harden, Tatum, and Beal. I lean slightly towards Beal, but, uh, yeah, it was certainly a tough decision out of those three. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, as you mentioned, they would have been all guys we would have assumed to be there. But I think, you know, it's good to see that we've got some fresh names in there, particularly Fred Van Vliet, Lamelo Ball, DeMar DeRozan really uh, to to an extent coming back into the East after being you know over with the Spurs for a while and and the continued improvement of, of Zach Levine so there's yeah some freshness to this East you know some names in the East so you know it's going to take some of those big guys uh, you know some they'll need to play well over the next week or two to really to mount their case for the team and you know I think once we get to All Star Weekend God only knows what sort of shape the league's in in terms of health and safety protocols it could be a Blokes coming off ten day contracts, getting, yeah. getting positions here. So you know it's going to be really, really interesting how it all kind of shakes out. Yeah, it certainly will be. Was it? Was there anyone for you that you, you sort of felt bad about leaving out? For me, it was probably Darius Garland. As I said, it it was it was a toss up uh, for me between uh, Garland and, and Jared Allen as as to who was the one that deserved to be in. Uh, for the Cleveland Cavaliers, given given how good their, their season has been. So for me, he was the one that, you know, you could mount a case for. He's at almost 20 points a game, you know, seven, seven assists, 47% from the field, 39% from three. So for me, he was the one that I probably would have liked to get in, but I just left, I just was just left on the outside. There probably wasn't really anyone else. Like that, as I said, that, that last spot between Harden, Tatum and Beal, I would have, Ideally, like to leave all three of them off, but there wasn't somebody apart from Garland who was really jumping out at me that 
could take that spot. What about for you? Was there anyone that you thought was pretty stiff? Yeah, well, the uh, the Gorillas own Tyler Hero, I think, is a guy that's had a great season, the 20 points a game. It's going to put him right in the mix, I think. Uh, but, yeah, I think the competition's probably slightly too stiff um, to, to get him in. But um, he's, had a, he's had a terrific season. And the other guy um, that we'd, you know, I'd like to give a bit of a shout out is the Montrez Harrell, who had had a terrific start to the season. He's probably levelled out a fair bit since those um, numbers at the start of the year. But he, he's been a real key contributor for Washington this season and a, and a reason that they're in the playoff mix at this stage. Yeah, certainly as He's definitely got back to what we usually see uh, from Montrose Harrell coming off the bench and impacting uh, for the Washington Wizards. So we'll, we'll call it there, Caddy. Next week we'll, we'll get into to the West All-Stars and debate who deserves to be there. And, and hopefully I don't leave off any future Hall of Famers next week from the Western Conference <laughs> as I did this week for the Eastern Conference. But uh, as I say every week, thank you to everybody who continues to download the podcast. If you haven't jumped on Apple Podcasts yet and give us an, a five-star review, if you could do that, that would be much appreciated. We also have the Facebook up and going, Caddy, and we, we posted the picture of my cousin Chris Prince who was uh, rocking some uh, Power in the Key paraphernalia, Caddy, which I which I thought could be a good st- stocking stuffer. So if you are and, interested. And where, where, where can you, you, you get your hands on some of that merchandise? Well, you know, Is there, is there a, yes. a shop that we can go to or an e-shop or something like that that the fans can um, – Tap into that. Yeah, well, we haven't we haven't set up the eShoppers yet, but uh, you can get in contact with us on the uh, Facebook page, and I'll I'll get in contact with my cousin, and he'll be able to whip some up for you. So let us know if you're a if you're a small or a medium, or maybe a double XL like yourself, Caddy, and we'll uh, <laughs> we'll be able to provide whatever the fan base needs. But until next week, we'll speak to you then.